0: Hey there, listeners. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For today's episode, we have Lucretia Davis. She is a wonderful resource in the world of interviewing and job preparation. She gives us some wonderful advice on how to prepare for the hard questions that you might face in an interview. Make sure you listen to this episode, share it with someone that might use the content. Um, For this episode, we did have some issues with the audio quality. Uh, We apologize, but moving forward, we will do a better job with our audio quality. Hope you enjoy the podcast.
1: The first five minutes of the interview, you really need to set tone very strong and very well, because if you lose them at the very beginning, they're pretty much not going to be really They already made up their mind about you. So anything else you say is pretty much, okay, sure, let's just get this thing over with.
0: Welcome in, boys and girls. To another episode of the Free Retiree Show, I'm your host, Wealth Manager Lee Michael Murphy, and I'm alongside Interview Coach and Silicon Valley Mentor Sergio Patterson.
2: What is up, everyone?
0: Welcome into a Career Advancement Edition of the Free Retiree Show. For today's topic, we're going to be talking about nailing the interview. We're talk about questions you might get, your elevator pitch, and to do so, we have a very special guest lucretia davis she is a linkedin professor who has been seen on abc 7 news forbes newsweek linkedin news rollout magazine and she is a 2020 phenomenal women award recipient and she has served over 2300 job seekers so serge i'm gonna paint the picture You've just made this big decision to leave that place you've been at that's been driving you crazy. You've put out a ton of resumes and applications. You get the call. They want you to interview. They're like, oh, Sergio, you're the man. We want you to come in and do an interview this coming Monday. Only problem. Everyone and their mother wants that job. So, and what are you doing to prep for this interview? Where's your mindset at?
2: Yeah, yeah, I've been there. I mean, how many different companies I've been at, so this sits close to home. I guess the first thing I do is I call Acressio, right?
0: Yeah, um, call
2: Acressio. No, but um, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's preparation. You know, I I, I definitely help some people on the side um, get through some of these. You know, the interview process. I think it comes down to preparation, really understanding why you want to go to this company, why you're a good fit for the role, what makes you unique, and really understanding your story. So I have that down for myself any interview i get into like i have my story down i have my this is how i'm going to connect with these interviewers to make sure i stand out so i think for me that's my game plan any interview i'm in it's big on connection
0: so worst interview question that you bombed on (laughs) and i'll share mine you can go first though
2: this was during the day so this was actually an interview the interview i went through at google back in 2015 this was during the days when google and companies would still ask those like how many cars are in on parked on the street in san francisco type questions just like the weird questions that have nothing to do with the job they asked me how would you find a needle in a like the biggest haystack in the world some something really stupid right it was really bad and i i was just sitting there i was like dude how am i there is there a right a wrong answer i, I think what what you realize is there's no right or wrong answer, but I answered it like, really, I was. Re- I gave him a really dumb answer. I don't know why. I answered it with, I, for some reason, I thought about the machine at Chuck E. Cheese where you could like, you go in there and then the air is going on and you grab the tickets. So I was like, I'd put, I'd somehow put the haystack in there and then the hay would fly everywhere, but the needle would come out. That's what came to mind. And yeah, that wasn't very smart. But didn't go well? Didn't go well, but I, got, I still got the job. There you go. Well,
0: I'll show you. I'll share mine. First, one of my first jobs while I was in college, I was trying to get a job at GNC, General Nutrition Center. And I probably had two fail questions on this one. They asked me, oh, what weaknesses do you have? And I was like, ah, that's a trick question. I don't have any. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
2: you're not getting hired,
0: bro. Yeah. And then uh, they asked, uh, what do you do when you see a customer steal a piece of product? And I told them I would tackle them in the parking lot and proceed to beat the crap out of them. So I still got the job, though. I don't know how, but, (laughs) you know, high bar for that's a a red flag. That's a red flag. I know I I was a red flag, actually, I think at that time. So but yeah, we got a great episode for everyone. So if you are someone that's thinking, well, I might be doing an interview soon or I know someone that's going to be doing an interview, you're going to want to listen to this episode we have one of the best resources that will help with interview prep, helping you figure out what to expect when you go into your interview. So we're gonna to go to a quick break. But when we are back, we're gonna be sitting down with Lucretia Davis. Welcome back into the Free Retiree Show. We're sitting down with Lucretia Davis. Lacretia, how are you doing this morning?
1: I'm doing fabulous. Thank you. We are
0: so happy to have you. You are someone that has been on our radar for a long time. We've been hearing about all the great work that you do, being an expert at helping people get their career on track, ace the interview questions. Now, you got to hear a little bit about Sergio and myself and our answers to our interviews. Anything you would have done differently in uh, those situations?
1: Yeah, I think that my life right now, I would probably have called the police if someone was stealing from the store. But that was it. the correct <laughs> answer. That's what they said I should have said. <laughs> I'm trying to tackle somebody down to it at, at that point. I'm not sure. <laughs>
0: So, Lucretia, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do?
1: Sure. So, thank you guys for having me. I am Lucretia, known as a LinkedIn and career professor. And what I have done over the past four years, I have been helping job seekers land work. And I've been doing this through my resume writing agency, interview coaching, as well as job search coaching now i have shifted into helping people plan opportunities strictly via linkedin so interviewing is one of my favorite topics to discuss so i'm very excited to chat about that today
2: yeah i love it i love the term linkedin professor did you did people give you that name or is that something you came up with
1: well people gave me the name of the career professor so now that i'm more so transitioning into focusing on linkedin I figure it's right. And the reason why people have given me that name professor is because I'm very detailed. So I like Mm. to break things down in ways that is easy for people to pick up. And so I kind of approach my content and my brand is very like educational. So that's pretty much where that came from.
2: Got it. Now, before we get into kind of what you're doing now, can you talk to us a little bit about how you broke into this? Like, how, when was the moment that you decided this was going to be what you do full time? I know you you did some resume writing. You've been on Newsweek. It seems like writing has been a big part of your early part of your career. But when was that moment?
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely. So my story is a little bit crazy, right? So I actually hired a business coach in 2016 to help me do this side venture of writing resumes and helping people with careers because at that time I had been working in the recruiting space and I was working actually on the agency side. So I wasn't an in-house recruiter. I was working for a third party recruiting agency. So essentially it is very sales driven, essentially a sales job as well. And Mm -hmm. so I saw a lot go on um, behind the scenes with candidates getting taunted for different things and all that stuff going on. So I was like, hey, if people actually knew some of the small things that they were doing wrong, they could be a better candidate and be hireable. So I actually, at the time, started a meetup group. And uh, that meetup group was helping people with resume advice, career advice, interview advice, all that stuff. And then that's when I decided to turn this into like a side business. And then eventually I've been doing this now full time. So, yeah, that's pretty much my story of how I got into this. It stemmed from just seeing stuff go on and as when I was at the recruiting desk.
0: Yeah, makes sense. So, Lucretia, I've seen a lot of your content online and you're really big on the elevator pitch. Now, for some of us that aren't aware of that, like what is it and why is it important?
1: Yeah, your elevator pitch is essentially a 30 to 60 second pitch that describes who you are, what you can do and what your goal is in that short time frame. So the way you look at it is you should be able to tell people All of those details about you in a short window from you going from the first floor of the elevator to the sixth floor or something like that. So that's why it's called the elevator pitch. But it's very important because, one, when you are networking, you need an elevator pitch. But even more important for me is when you are on your interviews, one of the first questions that they ask you is, tell me about yourself. And a lot of people, they don't really know how to structure that answer. They're pretty much being long-winded, pulling a lot of different things out of the sky and, and hoping something sticks. But essentially, that is your elevator pitch. That's the perfect opportunity to be very clear, concise, and organized in that response. And the people that have a good elevator pitch handy, they always win over to the interviewer within the first few minutes of the interview because That is the time frame, the first five minutes of the interview. You really need to set tone very strong and very well because if you lose them at the very beginning, they're pretty much not going to be really... They already made up their mind about you. So anything else you say is pretty much, okay, sure, let's just get this thing over with.
0: Can you give us an example of what an elevator pitch might sound like or look like?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So an elevator pitch... What I do is with my clients, I teach them how to frame their pitch around four different questions. So I'm going to break down those four questions for you and then give you the elevator pitch like you asked for. So the first question is who you are. The second is what you can do. The third is why you are the best fit for this role. And the fourth, what is your goal? So for me, number one, who are you? I'm Lucretia Davis. I am a resume writer and career coach with a background in HR recruiting of four years or something like that, right? So the who you are is essentially like your name, your title, your education, the industries you've worked in, the number of years of experience. The second question is what you can do. So that needs to be their focus on the job description at hand. Mm -hmm. And what you want to do is you can position this answer you're going to be calling out specific skills that you have. So one scenario would be I help Fortune 500 companies reduce their hiring cycle through innovative recruiting strategies or something like that. Or it could be I specialize in recruiting top talent, coming up with DEI initiatives and retention strategies or something like that. And then the third question is, why you are the best. So this is usually some type of soft skill or unique value proposition that you offer. So for me, if I was interviewing for a career coaching position, what makes me a great fit for this role is I understand both sides of the desk. I've worked as a recruiter for a number of years, and I also have experience working with thousands of job seekers who come up with strategies or what have you. And then the fourth question, what do you want? What do you, what is your goal? And that is to leverage my years in the career coaching business as a private business and leverage those skills and bring it to an organization to make an impact. And this would be assuming I was looking to go back into the workforce or something like that. So Mm -hmm. that is how you put together the elevator pitch.
2: Hey, Lucretia, that was great. I appreciate you breaking that down. I talk to people about when I'm helping on the interview kind of prep side of things is in that first couple of minutes, like in that who you are section, I mean, how important do you think it is to actually get personal and actually share like who you are and be authentic, something that's unique and not just about, oh, I'm good at writing resumes or what's your opinion on that for folks that are in the interview process? I'm of the camp that I think you should be authentic and kind of stand out, but would love your thoughts
1: yeah no, I think you bring up a great point. And so the template that I just provided is pretty much a starting point. But when I work with my clients, we actually do focus on how can we craft this pitch in such a way that is uh, more personable it 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 shows a little bit more about who you are and why you enjoy doing this this work. And so we, kind of wordsmith those things in with the things that the employer is actually looking to hear as far as what you can do and the value you can bring to the table. So that is very important. Got it. So that's just like a starter template, but definitely as you're brainstorming those four questions, you do want to think about, especially in that who you are, that's where we like to take advantage of shedding a little bit of light more into who we are personally and make that connection that is that first question who you are just really figuring out a way to sprinkle in there who you actually are besides your title and years of experience and all of that
0: so lucretia what are some of the top questions you think that if you're going in for the job like you really just gotta like have these down and what do you think is the most common one that people mess up on
1: Yeah, so I would say the most common would be what we just talked about the tell me about yourself question. A lot of people mess up on that. And then the other one is I would say the behavioral interview question. And that one is tricky because we can talk about interview prep all day long, and we can do the best we can on our end. But if you, there's no way to tell exactly. Well, no, well, let me take that back. I won't say that there's no way. I'm going to get into that in a second, but it's difficult to actually know exactly the questions that you're going to be asked when you come into this interview. Right. And yeah. so that's why I always recommend for people that if you have an interview coming up, use LinkedIn to find somebody. Who um, works at the company and, have an, and ask them for an informational interview and see if you can get some intel, right? And also you have those sites. People have reported questions that they've been asked on the interview. That's a great start. But what's even better is that informational interview and actually talking with someone.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. I think behavioral questions and I mean, for the listeners who may not know what exactly what those are, those are the type of questions that are going to be like, tell me about a time when you've done something. They're really just trying to understand how you've reacted in certain situations. Like, I don't know if you have anything else to add on, on behavioral questions, Lucretia, but that's if you're interviewing for a tech in a Silicon Valley or for a tech role, it's going to be pretty much all behavioral questions.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then we, if you want, we can go into like strategies on answering those questions because we have the different methods out there. We have the star method and the PAR method. And then I think there's car out there too. So those are some really good frameworks to, you know, structure your responses for, for those. Um, So I don't know if you guys. Yeah. I love that. that
2: Yeah. I think it'd be good. I think a lot of people focus on star. Let's it'd be good to get your thoughts on that.
1: Uh, Yeah. So the STAR method, situation, path, action, result, right? It is the, the, the method that when you are getting stuff like, safer for instance, you're working with a third-party recruiter or someone's coaching you, most people are going to tell you to use the, the STAR method for your behavioral questions. But for me, I like to cheat a little bit on that. It's easier. My clients, we like the PAR method, and okay. it allows you to... Give them everything that they need, but it's easier to for you to actually like conceptualize because with the start method, I find that a lot of job seekers, they understand the situation um, part, right? But then they get confused about the difference between task and action. Mm-hmm. And then you have result, which is self-explanatory. So there's four different things that you need to prepare. So for us, we like to use the part method, which is problem, action results easy tv and so some advice that i would have for you guys out there listening is make sure that even though it's a situational type question and they're asking you to describe a scenario where you have to provide some level of detail even still understand that you do have to be concise and to the mm-hmm. point With that is because nobody likes their heads talked off. The last thing that you want to do is like talk for five minutes. It's just, yeah, that doesn't work. So even with situational questions, make sure that you're clear and to the point, right? So problem, actual results. So problem would be for me, a client came to me wanting to change careers without any experience in a new industry, right? The action was that we assessed her skills. We, you know, figure out, outline different career paths that she could go into. And we put together a resume and all that stuff that will allow her to showcase her skills and the value she could add for that role. And then the result was she was able to get a position in the field without taking a pay cut, right? So that's just an example that is applicable to me, but I wanted to mention that because I want you guys to make sure that you have your transitions as well. Make sure it's very clear um, between what is the problem, what is the action, and then what is the result. Make sure that you're actually honing in on what that result is because people, they give this whole backstory, all this stuff that was the problem and what they did and all of that. And then the, the result, which is the last thing, but the most important thing, they minimize that or don't really, they, they're not really clear with that. So make sure yeah. that you have your transitions. And make sure that you really, like, speak to the result part of it. Don't get lazy at the end.
2: Yeah, I think candidates need to realize, like, the interviewer is also a human, right? And, like, right. if if you're just spewing off, like, like, a robot for, like, 10 minutes, you've already lost. And they're, Absolutely. like, att- our attention spans aren't that. You know what I mean? I've interviewed people, and it's, sometimes it's tough because they're just rambling, and you kind of forget. Even if they're saying, like,
0: amazing stuff, you is easily forgettable. Because you're zoned out. So, Lucretia, thanks for that information. That was really helpful. One of the common ones that I know a lot of people are concerned about is why you left your last job and maybe why you've been at multiple jobs. I think that's a challenging one, especially Silicon Valley, where people tend to move around quite frequently. What's your thoughts on how people handle that question?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, my thought is that no one wants to hop around no one wants to do this job seeking thing every other year what have you it, it boils down to people simply making their rounds to they until they get to what they deem is the right fit for them you know what I mean so I think that that transparency could be appreciated in the interview and just being transparent and not just trying to hide it or skip over the question and be, be ambiguous about it, but just to let them know that I'm, I'm thankful that you've asked because a lot of interviewers, they would take a gap on your resume or a few jobs on your resume at face value. So I'm thankful for the opportunity to be able to, you know, give you some context. But I, I would not hope to hop around or have to search for another job. I'm actually looking for something that is the right long-term fit for me. And maybe you can go into a reason as to why the last position that you were in was not a good fit without bashing the company or anything like that. It could be as simple as the hours or the scope of work that wasn't a good fit. And now this scope of work is what you're really excited about. It could be a sup- something as simple as that. But you do want to be transparent because we're all human at the end of the day. And that person that's sitting on the other side of the desk I'm sure that's not their first and last job in the world either. So just be transparent. And another thing you can do is if you don't feel comfortable with that level of transparency, what you can do is just try to flip the coin and the job you're interviewing for and really focus in on that with your response. So something like, great question. I enjoy the organization that I'm working for, but when I saw the opportunity to work at this company as a project manager, I jumped at the opportunity to work for this company that, you know, and and you can talk about the amazing things that you really love about that brand and wanting to get in that brand and you wanted to jump on that opportunity.
0: That's a great answer. But going on to the transparency thing. So this is another interesting question. So if you were canned at your last job, or there was a bad ending. What do you recommend you tell people uh, or not tell people? in those sort of situations.
1: Like someone being fired.
0: Yeah, you, yeah. you were just shit-canned. Like they just, they <laughs> well, terminated don't, you. Don't tell them that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, you were caught yeah. stealing snacks in the, the break room and- Oh God, reading- I, I would have been fired a
2: long time ago. <laughs> I've taken
0: so, oh my uh, God. Yeah. Uh, but what if it was like for uh, cause? Like there was a reason that you got fired. Like do you address it or do you just do you dance around yeah. it?
1: I, That's a good question. So, well, hopefully this person wouldn't have worked at the organization for, like, a long time. Like, a long time. That's the bulk of their experience where they have to put it on their resume. And they have to, like, that's their experience, right? Those are the situations that are kind of tough where you've been at an organization for a long time. It's the bulk of your experience. And you got fired for something that's, like terrible or what have you so you don't want to like lie but you don't want to be too (laughs) transparent because it's one of those like don't ask don't tell situations right and so yeah yeah, it's like you gotta you just gotta (laughs) finagle it like but just it, it, it wasn't a fit and just say that it wasn't a fit or that it didn't work out you know what i mean but let them find out the, those additional, well, the company, they, they're not going to be able to bash you and tell the the new the, the employer that's doing the reference check, like exactly why you got fired. They'll be yeah. able to ask them question as to whether this person is rehirable or not. That's typically the questions that they can ask. They can't say, hey, well, what happened? Or what is it, why did this person get fired? Or were they fired? Or "What did they quit? They usually ask that, is this person rehirable? And if they say no, then typically the employer that's doing the reference check will know something might have went wrong. But it doesn't always mean that it was something that was catastrophic. You know what I mean? So just be positive about it. I enjoyed working at the organization for, you know, this number of years. I've learned a lot. What have you? Maybe you're relocating as a result. And, hey, you can blame it on that. Just don't give them all of the detail, though. Just chalk it up to it not being a fit or if you haven't been at the organization for that long, you've been there under 6 months, it's not put, worth putting on your resume in some cases too.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think you don't have to give them that many details and the way I've kind of like the way I think about it is when you're when you get that question like why are you leaving or what happened, make it more about the excitement of coming to this new opportunity for this new company and being passionate about their mission, their brand. When I left, I left Facebook, a lot of it, I was honest in a lot of my interviews. I was no longer behind the mission there. And I was very authentic in every one of my interviews. On the flip side, I really believe in what LinkedIn's doing. And that came Mm -hmm. across in every single one of my interviews. So I think you can kind of spin it. You can spin it when you're in those processes like and you don't have to bash these other companies. You just have to spin right. it in the right way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I would agree. I would agree with that. And I've been transparent in interviews too. I mean, that's the the last position I worked in. I actually really connected with the interviewer on what I was transparent about. I told her that I was working at my company for a long time and I loved it. I never thought that I would leave until management changed. Mm-hmm. And new management wasn't a good fit for for me. And she resonated with that because she's like, hey, that's exactly my story as well. So sometimes being transparent is not a bad thing.
0: I like that. That was a great answer. What about if you did the interview and you haven't heard anything back? Do you reach back out or let's say that they say, oh, sorry, the role's been filled. We're going to pass on you at that time. How do you handle those situations? Being ghosted and then the rejection.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, a couple of questions in there. So number one is if you haven't heard back, definitely follow up as a best practice at the end of every single interview before you close it out, like ask them, what are the next steps in the process? What, when can I expect to hear back? And some people would say, oh, that's desperate or what have you. I don't believe in that. I believe in the fact that you have other opportunities that you may need to be considering as well. You can't be waiting for everybody. You want to know when to follow up and all that good stuff. So Mm -hmm. definitely ask that question. So if they say, hey, we'll be reaching back out to people next Thursday, and then here it is next Friday or the following Monday, you haven't heard back. There's nothing wrong with sending a note to follow up. And then as far as being ghosted, it's a tricky thing. I struggle with providing the right quote unquote, right advice for that because it, it really is hurtful, right? And so my advice is to try not to take it personally, but it's difficult to do that when you've invested time into something. So my advice is to just understand that sometimes rejection is protection and you don't want a company that will be ghosting you or has that business practice anyway. Just, just keep searching and just understand that the right opportunity for you won't miss you and try not to take it personally. And that's and you know, that's what I would recommend. It's easier said than done though.
2: Yeah. Lucretia, you mentioned some like best practices. Are there any other tips or best practices you have for each stage of the interview process? So when we think about the phone screen to the you know hiring manager, then on site, that's probably a lot to get into, but like if you have any like quick tips for our listeners.
1: Yeah, I can give off a a quick cheat sheet. So one is the question of to tell me about yourself. That's your elevator pitch. Why are you looking to work for this company? Or what do you know about the company? Don't make it surface level. They don't need to hear that they started in 1959 in whatever country or whatever, like make that answer authentic so why do you want to work for that brand what gets you excited about and if they ask you what do you know about the company make sure that you understand the company as a whole you understand what's happening with the company currently in the news and the press and all of that stuff what's going on and also you understand whatever vertical or business line or product or whatever it is make sure you understand that as well and then the situational questions, try to get some informational interviews. Do some online research to see what are some co- questions that would likely be asked for this role at that company. And make sure that you have a good, at least seven to 10 situational answers in your back pocket so that you're able to pull from those depending on the questions that come your way. Make sure you have some really good questions that you're going to be asking at the end of the interview. Don't make it about questions that you feel like seem the wittiest or would. With- impress the interviewer the most you have to make it about what it is that you really want to know about the opportunity as far as what you're getting yourself into so ask yourself write down the real like what do you really want to know about what you're getting yourself into what questions do you really have and figure out a way to make the questions not come across the group to ask those questions and then make sure you understand who you're meeting with because the initial meeting is with usually a recruiter. So if you're meeting with the recruiter, you probably won't have to prepare for the, the situational question really hard for that one, because it's going to be like a screening meeting. They want to know what you want to get paid. Make sure you understand how you're going to overcome that objection as well. You have to get comfortable with talking about it. Uncomfortable, yeah. but you got to get comfortable. Um, we
2: should probably, if you're okay with it, can we spend some, like a minute there or so, like, can we spend some time on like the compensation discussion? Cause I think that's tricky. Even for me, like mm-hmm. m- mid my career, I think those conversations are tough to have any thoughts there yeah. on, on compensation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So kind of thoughts. <laughs> where do I start? I guess yeah. I would start. With, it's tough. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I would start with understanding where you're at with be. So whether you are in a situation where you, want to get paid more and you have this like number that's kind of like your overarching goal but you'll be willing to take less then you have to make sure that when you are entering those discussions you make it clear that you're going to set the goal high but be willing to negotiate in the case they say no that number is too high or what have you what are you going to say after that what are you going to counter with or understanding number two if you're Person Number two, if you have like a bottom line number, right, that means that I am not going to go to any organization that is not paying me less than this dollar period, then you know that you got to do you have to leave with that number and be very transparent about that. So the money conversation is going to come up twice, typically on the initial screen, what is it that you want to get paid? So for that, you want to make sure that you have done some research. I would recommend even doing that before you apply for a role. Try to get do some research to see what are the salary trends for this company, can they afford what they're looking to, to go in? And when they ask you that question, make sure based on your research, based on your personal salary goals, letting them know that I'm looking to get paid somewhere in the range between eighty to hundred K or hundred K to 120, right? Yeah. Um, I like to provide ranges because I don't like to just give one one number. I like to provide ranges because depending on the opportunity you can negotiate at the top of the Yeah. You could
2: also the range gives you flexibility and you you could if you give a specific number, you could lose out on thousands of dollars, like tens of thousands Absolutely. of dollars. And companies Absolutely. are like not gonna look out for you.
1: Right. Whatever your highest number is, add the tax. So if you say you wanna get paid eighty K, if that's your goal, add twenty K in tax, eighty to 20 mm-hmm. Never accept the first offer. If it's exactly what you want, then if you want to accept that, you go ahead. But there's nothing wrong with saying, Hey, I'm really excited about the opportunity, et cetera, et cetera. I wanted to ask if the salary is negotiable or not. Mm-hmm. It's a very comfortable way to Enter that conversation versus saying, hey, no, thanks for the offer, but I want to get paid 120k." You know what I mean? You're asking whether or not the salary is negotiable, and they're going to tell you yes or no. And if it is, yes, be prepared for how you're going to counter. If it's yep. no, then they don't want you bad enough or they, the budget isn't there.
2: And you can negotiate other things like stock if they have stock right. or whatever,
0: right?
1: Absolutely, yep. Keep that in mind, too. I'm glad you brought that up.
0: Thanks for the phenomenal advice today. How can people get a hold of you?
1: Yeah. LinkedIn. LinkedIn.
0: Yeah. You're a big deal on LinkedIn. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be.
2: (laughs) Lee, I was going to, I know we're wrapping up. I was just going to quickly ask you had a post about kind of like how to, can you just talk to us about like the power of LinkedIn? Cause it seems like you're leveraging it really well. And like, you have this post where I was cracking up. It was like, do LinkedIn, right. Change your life. (laughs) and uh some of these exes i was like shit we do a lot of this stuff so i don't know like what are your thoughts there as you think because i know you have this eight-week linkedin accelerator course talk to us a little bit about that and like what people can be doing differently to build their brand
1: absolutely so yeah linkedin is great for businesses and also job seekers as well there are a lot of Influences that you look around and see, and they've built their entire brands off getting jobs without applying on LinkedIn through creating content and jobs at great companies. So keep that in mind. But I focus on business owners, entrepreneurs. I help them establish their brands on LinkedIn. And so definitely a lot of people approach it wrong. And that's Mm -hmm. why I started my accelerator, left out to LinkedIn, because what I see is a lot of people, they, they see a lot of people getting amazing traction on LinkedIn. And they're like, why is that not happening to me? But it's because they're doing some of the wrong things. And so they get on there. Their feelings are hurt when their post us don't do well. They feel left out. They feel like, well, why don't I have that thing build my presence on LinkedIn? And that's not the case. It's usually because they're doing um, the wrong thing. And that's a discussion. That's a whole different discussion. There's a lot that goes into that. But some of the main things would be, you know, what I called out on that post that you were talking about. And it is, number one, your voice, right? A lot of people approach LinkedIn as this thing where I can't talk like a person. I have to talk like I'm writing a paper or an article or something like that. And it's actually the exact opposite If you look around and see the people that are doing well on LinkedIn, it's usually because they're ruffling some feathers on LinkedIn. They're usually that disruptor where they're like not being they're not approaching their LinkedIn brand in a timid way. They're just saying like, hey, this is what I think. This is this is what I have for you. And people find authenticity on LinkedIn refreshing. Number two is you got to focus on what is the best way for you to show up that gets you excited and allows you to deliver your best content. Is it video? Is it writing? So for me, it's writing. I love writing. And so if you are that person that's looking to like have that be your primary like outlet, make sure you're continuing to cultivate your writing skill make sure that you are being like you're serving good content quick wins for your audience not these general how-to tips this is how you write a resume like yes. take each point and break it down into an easy way for them to understand that allows them to walk away with something that is actionable versus like all of this stuff that nobody wants to do because it's just Too much. It's confusing. The same stuff that's on Google. Be specific and give them quick wins and serve it in bite size. Don't be too long. If you're gonna do video content, it has to be entertaining. So for LinkedIn, I tell people you have to do three one of three things in your content or all. One is educate really well. Number two is entertain, or three is empower. Right. Mm -hmm. I like to focus on. All three of them. I like to educate. My main thing is empowering because I really love like motivational type of stuff. So I post that stuff a lot. I do educate as well. And then sometimes you'll see a TikTok video here and there that is a little bit entertaining. So Yeah, I'm
2: watching one right now. It's entertaining.
1: <laughs> you're you're <laughs> hating on
2: people who tag a bunch of people in, uh <laughs> in random posts. It's amazing. I love it. <laughs>
1: So yeah, it's lots of stuff that, that go on wrong there. But And then find a couple of people that are doing really well on LinkedIn that you really want to, like you admire their content and stuff like that and build relationships with them. Ask them for a quick meeting to talk about some tips and things like that, because you don't want to be tagging random people in your post, but you do want to try to take advantage of the LinkedIn ripple effect, meaning that people with large audiences that are doing well on LinkedIn, like have them, if you have a relationship with them, if they engage your posts, it'll help you out with your visibility too. But you don't want it to be just like random people that, cause it's using, you know what I mean? So.
2: Yeah. And I, thank you for that. I brought this up cause I think it does tie into this whole how to prep for an interview because like, if you have a really solid brand on LinkedIn, companies are also going to see that. I think everything you just said does tie back to the candidates. And as they prep, like get on LinkedIn, have a presence, build your brand, because like you never know who's looking.
1: Yes, absolutely. Because those people are just different. You don't see a lot of job seekers like creating content on LinkedIn or even like and I'm not trying to say it in a way that's like saying that it's bad because some people, they do want to go to work and do their job. Go home, mind their business, get paid, and you know do what they have to do with their family. but the people that have that entrepreneurial spirit where they're like, "No, not just working at my job is enough i I want to impart different things on the world. I want to share my voice, I want the impact, and all of that. Those are the people that people are really looking to hire, especially in those companies like Microsoft and you know Google and all of that stuff it makes them it's just different they're just different so oh. one thing that i just stumbled upon on instagram this one girl she posted don't beat the algorithm beat your fear and i was like that is like so perfect because that's just like the quote of the year for me
0: that's, that's a, a good really quote good. That's, a, yeah, think, that's an amazing quote
2: Lee, we even had like probably a 30 minute talk about like the linkedin algorithm <laughs> yeah, I'm like. Yeah. So I think that's a really good that's a really good perspective.
0: Well, appreciate thank you so much for coming on our show today. You dropped some amazing value. I know our listeners are going to love this one. If they want to get in touch with you, I know you said LinkedIn, but you also have a website as well.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. My website is uh, com.
0: Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Free Retiree Show so long for now. You should contact your own tax advisor, financial advisor, or attorney to answer questions about your specific situation or needs before acting upon this information third-party source information or comments are not verified, may not be accurate, and are not necessarily representative of all client or audience experience. A portion of this event was paid by a third party. The opinions of career advisor Sergio Patterson do not reflect the opinions of LinkedIn Incorporated or Microsoft Corporation. The opinions of attorney Matt McDowell do not reflect the opinions of Castaneda and company.